Next, something's amiss. Someone's out to sink Christmas. What are you going to do? Dudley Moore, John Lithgow, Santa Claus, the movie, next. Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to another episode of Santa by the Minute. The podcast where Ben and I sit down and discuss another minute of 1985 Santa Claus, the movie. One minute at a time. I, 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 I totally goofed that up. <laughs> I, I, I did your part too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I'll just say my part and then we'll just go from there. Okay, we'll Maybe it. nobody noticed. And this is a big minute this week. It is. I got a lot of notes this week. I have a few too. So this is exciting. So the minute kicks off with Dooley finishing his sentence from last week. Right. A long, long time. They've been expecting them a long, long time. And of course, obviously, the clauses are very confused by this. Very. What what do they mean? For a long, long time, we almost gave up hope. And then Claus shook his head. Where are we? Dooley said home. And then Anya was like, no, 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 our home is far from, and then. Then Claus chimes in, it's like, oh, you misunderstand. We're we're from a village far away from here. I mean, obviously, if a bunch of strange dudes came out of the darkness, (laughs) out of nowhere, and said they've been (laughs) expecting you, and that you were now home, you know, the Clauses are handling themselves quite. They are. I would be running in the opposite direction. <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty go with the flow, I guess. I'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> and while the Clauses and Dooley are having this little back and forth about where they live. Mm-hmm. Not first. Not, not, I, but, 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 but. Do the Clauses have anything back at the village? They seem to be well liked. Claus does the firewood, brings the toys. They seem like a valued part of the community. Mm-hmm. I'd assume they have family of some sort. They I, Obviously, they don't have children, but... Yeah, they never... Or friends or something. It's not brought up in the book at all. Okay, so. I didn't know if there was a backstory. Yeah. Like, oh man, I, we're going to miss our friends and family, but this little man that we just met five seconds ago said we're home, so let's go. <laughs> no, they it doesn't. Ian... No, I'll talk about it later. So anyway, <laughs> um, as Claus and Anya are talking to Dooley about home, Claus is like, you don't understand. We live in a village a long way from this place. And Dooley is like, you'll, you'll see, you'll see. And then that's when uh, it moves on to Patch looking at the sleigh. You can kind of hear them. It's not... You can't understand it. It's not audible no. in the movie. But you can tell Anya, Claus, and Dooley are still talking back and forth. But the focus is, first you see Patch turn to a couple of his associates. Well, the Dudley Moore elf, who hasn't been officially named yet. He will right. soon. Turns to a couple of his buddies and, like, points. Mm-hmm. Points to Claus's sleigh. And the next thing you know, he slides himself under the sleigh like a mechanic sliding himself under a car. Mm-hmm. And he's like pointing out like all the outdated or run down parts underneath Santa's sleigh, underneath Claus's sleigh. We're establishing early on that this this is like the tinkerer. I was trying to uh I was trying to see oh yeah, right here. He's like, yeah, bits of old rope, single hinge runner connectors. Unbelievable. I can see I'm going to have a lot to teach him. And then 
and then Claus is like right there. Yeah, then at some point, Claus has stepped out of the sleigh, walked around to the side that Patch is on, and he almost looks kind of menacing. Santa like standing above Patch yeah. as Patch because we see it from Santa's point of view. Right. And then Patch pulls himself out from under the sleigh once again, like a mechanic who is looking under your car. Mm-hmm. And he looks up and so like timidly says, "Oh, hello." <laughs> Yeah, in the book, he's like, hi there. Welcome aboard, sir. Speaking of boy, speaking for the boys and myself, you know, he's so he kind of has his friends with him while he's looking under the sleigh. But Patch isn't nervous for too long. He, he no. becomes buddy buddies pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Going back just for a second to the part where Patch pulls himself out from under the sleigh after looking underneath it. On the Internet Movie Database, they claim that you can see... Uh, Dudley Moore's character pull the snow away from the bottom of the stage and you can, like see the baseboards. I have gone through this scene like frame by frame. You can barely tell. I don't know why, how that warranted a uh, <laughs> spot on the goofs on the IMDb. I assume it's this part right here. Right here when he first pulls himself out and looks up at uh, Claws. I think it's supposed to be this part. That's the bottom of the... Hmm. I don't see anything. Yeah, exactly. I don't see it either. But I just want to throw that out there because it is on IMDb. IMDb does not lead us um, in the correct path a lot of the time. (laughs) (laughs) We've already debunked the Santa Claus thing at the beginning. (laughs) And I don't see any, I don't see any baseboard. It's under revealing mistakes on IMDb. When Patch pulls himself from under Santa's sleigh during their first meeting, he removes the snow to reveal the stage slash set underneath. I was expecting to see, like, brown floorboards or concrete or something. But I've gone through it frame by frame. I do not see anything. It's definitely not a revealing mistake. I think it's actually here. I don't think it's when he first slides out. Oh. I think it's right here under his arm so the floor is painted white so you can't really see it you'll have to put the actual screen grab on the website i will (laughs) yeah i don't think you see under it again so yeah i think that it's there i'll have it on the website it's kind of a stretch to call it a revealing mistake yeah i don't think that is i mean they painted the floor white for a reason because i mean it's fake snow it's going to be moving around Quite easily, you know what I mean? So after Patch gets up onto his feet, he formally, finally introduces himself to the clauses. He says, I'm the one they call Patch. Uh, Me and the boys, so grateful to see you, something to that effect. I'm sure you have the actual wording. Yeah, so I do, yeah. They, you know, um, welcome aboard, sir, speaking for the boys and myself, and you must be the missus. And Anya's like, me? I thought she was saying we, like as in yes, in friends, (laughs) me not we in french but me as in me i mean who else would they be talking to i find like that's but anyway and Uh, before we get to the next part can uh i just mention yes that the character of patch was originally going to be called ollie in the first draft of the script ollie ollie it's interesting but moore himself decided to change the name to patch because that was the nickname of his young son. Son, because that was the nickname of his young son at the time. Mm-hmm. His son was named Patrick. His nickname was Patch. 
So Dudley wanted the elf to be called Patch instead of Ollie. Well, that works out well. So in the book, he is called Patch for a totally different reason. <laughs> Are you going to reveal that now? Would you like me to? Of course. Okay. I've never heard this before, guys. So I have all of this information about Patch. Patch gets his name because he had way too many things on his mind to ever worry about mending his clothes. So he had patches everywhere on his clothes, like his elbows, his knees, all patched up. Because instead of doing it correctly, he just slapped on a patch. Well, that's interesting because I just assumed there was like a tailor elf. Yeah, nope. He just (laughs) wasn't interested. And then um, he is quick and creative thinking and very smart, but not uh, not very disciplined. So, you know, it just kind of does his thing. And he was frequently in trouble because the other elves didn't understand him. And it took a while for him to admit he was wrong. And then I have also information about his friends that are standing with him at the end of this minute. But I'm not going to talk about them this minute. I'll talk about them next minute. So make sure you come back next week to hear about his buddies standing there with him. So, yeah, he got his name because of his clothes. He was just too, you know, off into every area that he just didn't take care of himself. He took care of everything else. So at the beginning of this minute... Dooley says they've been waiting a long, long time for the clauses. Mm -hmm. And shortly after Patch introduces himself and the boys, Mm -hmm. he goes, oh, you must be the missus. Mm -hmm. We were expecting someone... We were expecting someone young and pretty, pretty and young. Right. So, how did they already know ahead of time? They were expecting their chosen one Mm -hmm. to have a wife with them already i don't think so i think they just meant um you're with him you must be oh you must be the missus okay not not a like oh we knew there was going to be a couple coming it was more of a you know you must be his wife if you're with him oh oh, just making the assumption yes okay yes yeah because I have a review. I've had it bookmarked on my phone for a while. <laughs> it was written in 2011. The author is uh, Jared Mobarak. And he, he makes the same theory that we tossed out there in one of our minutes with Gabriel. Mm-hmm. You know how Santa, like, you could theoretically come to the conclusion that everything after that minute where they're just in the snow covered sleigh, not moving, that everything after that is just what Santa's seeing in his mind as he's slowly passing away. This review brings up another interpretation that I never heard before, but I kind of think you could make the case out of with some of the things that are said in this minute. Okay, I'm intrigued. <laughs> so let, so I'm quoting from this review now. I'm sure, I'm sure Ben will have the full link to this. I'll forward her the link and she can add it to the website. Yeah, I'll put it on the website too. Okay, here we go. I'll just start from from this part. Due to the season and the inclement weather of their home, however, this Genesis story makes way for a tragedy glossed over in such a way that it confuses as to why the filmmakers even went this route. Rather than having the elf kingdom that has long held a prophecy of finding someone worthy of taking the mantle of Santa, we must, must first watch the clauses freeze to death in the snow with Donner and Blitzen. 
the device confuses because you start to wonder whether anything happening after the storm is real, a heavenly fantasy or a coma-induced vision. Why must we kill them to watch them be reborn, though? It ends up making what should be a magical moment of opportunity into murder. For all we know, the elves caused the storm and, in effect, kidnapped those kindly souls to be slaves in the religion of good towards goodwill towards men. A contradiction, if I have ever seen one. That... So All the theories elves... are so dark. <laughs> like... So could the elves have conjured the storm to fulfill their prophecy? I mean, I suppose. Of having, of having a... To- because the storm does let up as soon as the elves start coming towards right. the clauses. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that that could be it, too. I mean, there's way too many theories on this. Like, I could, I could see that happening, but why would they kill them? I mean, if you have magic, why kill them? If they knew they were... And, and it also brings up a point. If they knew he was coming that night, why not save him before the storm <laughs> freezes him? Like, come with us, guys. Come on. Or must you die and be reborn before you can become Santa? Sort of like a... Right. I don't want to get too religious <laughs> on this podcast, but like a Jesus-type resurrection thing. A resurrection, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, who knew Santa Claus movie was this deep till you really drill down into it? <laughs> That's true. I mean, I guess that would go along with the elves. A lot of the elf folklore, them being not good, right? Well, There's a lot know. of so they don't have evil intentions here. But I suppose <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I've been sitting on that review for a long time. I I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I don't know. You guys, let us know what you think. Did the elves cause the storm? Or was it just an opportunity? You know, was that always supposed to happen? That the storm came and killed Claus and Anya? Well, we'll get more into the prophecy later. Yeah. Because there's an elder elf who's going to be coming out and saying a lot more. Like, they they go into really what their prophecy was. Yes. And it is really specific. It is. is really specific. I can't say it. I'm on a roll. (laughs) And this prophecy is really specific. It is very specific. Yeah. So they got to know who they were looking for. Exactly. Yeah. So... There are so many cliffhangers. You're going to have to watch this forever. I mean, you're going to have to listen to it, not watch. Oh my goodness. You no, know, it was killing me not to spring that theory on you all this time. I, you're talking to the person who has read the book three times in preparation for this podcast, and I've had to keep things to myself. Well, it's nice to have something something that I can have to yeah. spring on you. Now yeah. now I'm making you look at the scene in a brand new way. I know. it's so. There's so many different ways to look at this. And it, it, the scary thing is, is that my whole 30-something years of life that I've been watching this movie, I never thought it would go this way. Well, okay, maybe this is a nicer way to think of it. Yes. Maybe maybe, maybe they saved their life. Maybe they stopped the storm. Oh, maybe. Maybe they, the storm was getting so bad, it's like, oh my gosh, guys. Mm-hmm. We gotta save save the chosen one before they actually die. Yes, is that that a happier way of yes, a happier spin? But then that contradicts everything that we talked about for the last four weeks about how they froze to death. 
Well, there's multiple ways to look at this movie. There that's are what, a lot that's, of ways. That's, yeah. This is the whole point of breaking down this thing one minute at a time. There's a lot to, <laughs> lot to talk about, a lot to digest. <laughs> mm. And Ben, this is exciting. In this minute, we have our very first elf pun. Buckle up, because we are going to have a lot of elf puns. Yeah. While Patch is speaking with Anya, he like apologizes at, for making her elf conscious. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's our first one of the movie. We'll see how many we end up seeing, you know, in the whole entire thing. But I have it on our spreadsheet. Minute 11 is our first elf pun. Elf pun number one. <laughs> so are you ready to take a deep dive into the life and times of Dudley Moore? Okay. Because forget Santa. The real star of this movie was Dudley Moore. As we've established before, this movie reportedly cost... $50 million. Mm-hmm. Dudley, to do this movie, before there was even a finished script, they paid him $5 million to be in this movie. That was 10% of the movie's budget in 1985. The Sulkines had wanted to work with uh, Moore for a long time. They tried to get him into a Superman movie, tried to get him into Supergirl. They finally got him into this movie. Legend has it, it's because in Dudley Moore's movie Arthur, one of the characters asks him, who are you? One of Santa's elves? I've been trying to find that clip on YouTube or something so you can splice in the audio. I haven't had any luck yet. But supposedly that is what got the ball rolling. So this is definitely stunt casting. Gotcha. (laughs) And of course, Dudley Moore got top billing on this movie. Looking at the poster, his name is the first one you see on the poster. On the movie case, on the DVD case, his name is the only person on the case. So right above the title is Dudley Moore, Santa Claus, the movie. And the only thing you see on the cover of the uh, Blu-ray is Santa, David Huddleston, and his sleigh. So if you had no idea who Dudley Moore was, you would just assume he was Santa. Dudley, uh, not, but, but, but. David Huddleston is the third build on the movie poster, yet his character is the title of the movie. Do you think, how do you think that made him feel? I would have been really upset. I kind of doubt he also, I doubt David Huddleston got paid five million. Oh no, probably not. Probably 500,000. <laughs> I have no documentation on what anybody else was paid for this movie. I wish I knew what John Lithgow was paid for this movie. Because whatever it is, I'm sure it should have been more. <laughs> so Dudley Moore was born in 1935. Of course, he was a well-known comedian. As a kid, Dudley Moore was like somebody you like knew existed, mm-hmm. but he never really did anything like kid-friendly. So he wasn't like on any kid's radar in the eighties or nineties. I didn't know anything about him other than this movie. Yeah, pretty much. This is like yeah. the, like the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. There, there is another sort of kid-friendly thing that he did the following year, but at this point in time, it's like he was more something mom and dad. Like, he, he showed up on, like, the talk shows or whatever, Entertainment Tonight or whatever was going on. But he uh, started his career, he was a gifted pianist. That's a talent he didn't really get to use in this movie. I think we do see him at Yeah, a, he plays the piano. But I don't know if you're actually listening to it or if it's just... Well, probably not, no. We do see him at a piano at some point during this movie, much later on. Mm-hmm. Reportedly, he had a piano in his dressing room for this movie, so that's something... And I think even in that TV special on the DVD, he was on the piano for something or another. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. 
he was a he's a well-known British comedian. He did a lot of like he did a, co- a lot of comedy records part of a duo with a Peter Cook in the 1960s. He was known for his raunchy adult humor. So let's put him in a Santa Claus movie. <laughs> he moved to the US in the 70s where his uh, solo career started to take off. He was in uh he played such roles. This was his the roles he was known for before Santa Claus the movie. In the uh, 1976 Chevy Chase movie Foul Play, he played the horny conductor. And in the movie 10 from 1975, he played the lead role. He was a composer going through a midlife crisis. You know, this is the type of roles he was doing before Santa Claus the movie. His real, his biggest hit up to this point, he was nominated for Academy Award for Arthur in 1981. I don't know, I haven't, you know, that's a movie I'm aware of, that aware of existing, but... I haven't actually. I don't think I've actually seen it from start to finish, or even if I've seen any of it. I don't think. I don't even know what it's about. Uh, Dudley Moore plays a. I don't know how well this is aged. Uh, Dudley Moore played the an alcoholic billionaire playboy with a heart of gold. Don't you wish you were Arthur? How rich are you? I wish I had a dime for every dime I have. <laughs> Anticipating your condition. And I brought you orange juice, coffee, and aspirins. Or do you need to throw up? Kiss your wife like that? I'm not married. Never heard of it. <laughs> but he was nominated for an Academy Award for that. So he was his star was rising. Mm-hmm. Right through the late 70s, early 80s. And this was around the time the Sulkines wanted to get the Santa Claus movie off the ground. So what better way for your family-friendly Santa Claus movie to get somebody known primarily for adult comedy in there? And I think that may have, I think they put all their eggs in one basket with Dudley Moore, I think. He, he wasn't really on any kids' radar. This was, I think, obviously trying to get parents. It's like, oh, pay attention to this Santa Claus movie, but I, it may have backfired. I think it would have because being a parent... If they had someone playing in a movie, like say there's a new family movie, supposed family movie coming out, and they had one of the, like the top billing actor basically is known for more of a adult themed comedy, would you trust to bring your kid to go see the movie? I don't know if I would, because I'd be like, "Ah, I don't know. You know what I mean? without seeing it first. I mean, we're at a day and age where it's like, it's not a surprise if somebody like a raunchy comedian does a voice in like a DreamWorks well, or a Pixar thing. Yeah, but movies are rated different now mm-hmm. than that, they were then. That's the thing. I think also this PG rating, mm-hmm. because the PG-13 rating was only introduced like a year before this movie came out. So mm-hmm. PG carried a lot more weight. Because a G in a PG movie now, there's probably not much of a difference. No, not really. And there is some language going into this movie. Mm-hmm. And one instance of John Lithgow slipping in mm-hmm. the S word. <laughs> that slipped under my radar until very recently. Yeah, I didn't really notice. I mean, I noticed, but it didn't really. So stay tuned, stay tuned for that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a minute in a year. <laughs> so according to the Internet Movie Database, Dudley Moore actually turned down the lead role in Splash to appear in this movie. He would have got the Tom Hanks role. I think that's a 
good for the movie Splash. <laughs> I don't say it's good for Dudley Moore, because I don't know what would have... You know what I mean? Who knows why or where his career would have gone if he did Splash instead of this. Because, because Tom Hanks was coming from a similar... He was like all, known for all comedy yeah. stuff up to this point. And then he got this role in Splash and yeah, his and star he... really skyrocketed. But Whereas... I think Tom Hanks is perfect for Splash, though. Like, I mean, I think he did a great job. I don't know if Dudley Moore would have done as well as the Tom Hanks character. I can't see Dudley Moore doing the Tom Hanks character in Splash. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> also quoting from IMDb, the the bio, whoever wrote the biography on Dudley Moore's page on IMDb, there's this quote. Also on one of the Santa Claus Blu-rays, they have what they call talent bios, where it's all text on the screen. You know, back in the day when you could flip through it with your remote and uh-huh. it's just like a big novelty. Now you just look it up on Google on your phone <laughs> while you're watching the movie. <laughs> Basically, that is just a condensed version of the biography on IMDb, but they left off this quote on the Santa Claus Blu-ray. Okay. Quote, Moore's stardom started to wane, and by 1985, he was reduced to playing an elf in Santa Claus the movie, one of the all-time turkeys. Well, I can see why they left that off. (laughs) Yeah, for obvious reasons. But I'm sure at the time in 1985... They basically drove a dump truck of money up to Dudley Moore's house and yeah. say, "Be an elf, put on this elf suit." Mm-hmm. Well, any normal you or I person, if they gave you five million dollars mm-hmm. to be in a movie and you were in it and it bombed, who cares? You could re- still retire with five million dollars, and that was five million dollars in nineteen eighty five, not five million dollars in two thousand and twenty, like. <laughs> Now, unfortunately, this is around the time Dudley Moore's career kind of peaked. Yeah. And we're kind of on a downward slope. Mm -hmm. After this, uh, his career was in the decline. He did a sequel to Arthur that didn't really go anywhere. I was surprised to see he had a TV series, a sitcom, on CBS in the early 90s. I was like, how come I didn't know about this? What was it? It was called Dudley. Spring break. Last through spring. Why do, you, why do you lie to me, Fred? I don't know. It's not like there's any challenge to it. <laughs> he, he lived in like this penthouse apartment. He was a divorced dad who worked at a nightclub. And it was like a... It was like generation gap sort of thing. Because his teenage son, who was like what sitcom writers in the 90s thought teenagers in the 90s acted like. And it was like wacky... You know, uh uh-oh, these two don't get along. But the reason you never heard of it, it was canceled after only five of the six episodes aired. I believe all five episodes that did air, somebody has uploaded onto YouTube. I didn't watch them, but I did watch, like, the uh, theme song. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't recognize really anybody in there except for Dudley. But, and then at the, you know, the comic relief character, you know, always gets the last credit at the end of the theme song. Mm -hmm. It was the guy who played the uh, dad on Elf. Oh. You know, the guy with the big gla- the skinny guy, the big glasses. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder what he played on Dudley Moore's <laughs> failed sitcom from 1993 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm a little hesitant to bring this one up, but I feel we have to do it. The probably only other kid-friendly thing on Dudley's resume 
1986, he was the narrator of The Adventures of Milo and Otis. Milo was trouble from the very beginning. The first animal Milo met was Otis. You're a strange-looking cat, Milo said. Oh, I'm not a cat. I'm a dog. Really, deep down inside, we're all cats, right? Uh, no, deep down inside, I'm a dog. Nevertheless, Milo and Otis became best friends. We're going to take a walk outside today. Going to see what we can find today. We're going to take a walk outside today. Going to see what we can find today. Milo and Otis, they're traveling far away from home. And the only way back is together. Now a puppy needs a buddy. And a kitten needs a pal. Such a great big world that's all set up For a curious cat and a pug-nosed pup Friends to meet, places to be It's all so new and fun to see Milo and Otis, two friends who share a love of adventure and the adventure of love. The Adventures of Milo and Otis. Yes, that was the only thing I knew of him, was this movie, Santa Claus the Movie, and Milo and Otis. Those were the only two things that I knew anything about Dudley Moore. And watching Milo and Otis when I was a kid, I really liked it. Not so much now, you know what? Now, though, totally new, different perspective of the world. You know what I mean? In this day and age, you know, the phrase, uh, destroying your childhood, memories, destroying your childhood, is thrown around quite a lot, but I think it's safe Milo to... Milo Notice is for sure. <laughs> Back before we had had our son, it was on Amazon Prime or Netflix mm-hmm. or something. Like, oh, I remember that from when I was a kid. It was yeah. lighthearted, kittens and puppies. Mm-hmm. We got like 20 minutes into it and it, like we got increasingly uncomfortable Yeah. as these kittens and puppies were like being tossed over waterfalls and stuff that we had to shut it down. <laughs> and then one night I fell down the rabbit hole of the alleged mm-hmm. animal abuse mistreatment claims against this movie. Yeah. Because basically the, what we, the American version, Milo and Otis, was cobbled together from footage that was recorded for a Japanese mm-hmm. movie. And, yeah, let's say there were a little more, allegedly were a little more lax with the treatment of animals at the time the footage was recorded. Yeah, as in they didn't care about them at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like, how many Milos did they have to go through? Right. The I don't even want to think about it. Okay, anyway. We, we... I don't want to think about it. They were the cutest little animals. I don't want to think about how many they had. I, I won't go into the gruesome details. Uh, you, you, you can look it up yourself yeah, if you're at, interested. At your own risk. At your own risk. If you're a kid, don't look it up. <laughs> or if you ever want to watch Milo and Otis again. Uh, right. May, may just want to... Just forget know. it. Yeah. You just don't go there. Because once you read about it and hear about it, you'll never, you'll never be able to go back. And unfortunately, he did pass away in 2002... He developed a rare brain disease related to Parkinson's progressive subronuclear palsy. I hope I said that right. And then he, unfortunately, he passed away of pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a lot of private issues yeah. leading up to that. So, sadly, that was mm-hmm. the final days of Dudley Moore. Mm-hmm. 
Man, this Santa movie podcast is taking some depressing turns. It is. Can we get to the happy, jolly, la 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 Santa Claus? I think so. We have some comedy coming up <laughs> next week. Good. I'm at the end of my notes. <laughs> okay. I want a happy go lucky. It's Santa Claus, jolly, like, bell full, bell, belly full of jelly and rosy cheeks and do 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 do. And John Lithgow. Yes, I want to get to the good stuff. Okay, <laughs> enough talking about death and the killer elves. And animal abuse. <laughs> animals. I'm done. Okay. Okay, we have... <laughs> I think it's all smooth sailing from here on out. Okay, good. We've got all of this out of our system. This might good. be. Our, this is, has to be our longest episode. It has ever. to be. That was a lot about Dudley Moore. It was a lot. And about Patch. It, we'll have another long one when we get to John Lithgow, probably. Is it Gow or Go? It's John with Go. Go. It looks like Gow. And yeah. you'll find some pronunci- some people pronouncing it that way. Okay. But the correct pronunciation is John with Go. Okay, I don't want to say it wrong. Okay, I've only been saying it wrong for ten weeks. But I'll just try in, to get you better. you into him someday. Right. I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly. <laughs> if he listens to our podcast, I want him to know that we know who he is. <laughs> we say his name right. <laughs> We're still holding on to hope. Yeah. That he secretly loves this movie. Yeah, and he just doesn't want anybody to know because he doesn't think it's cool. <laughs> well, there we go. That wraps up minute number eleven. That was exhausting. Mm-hmm. That took. That was an emotional roller coaster. It was, that minute. It was. Watching that minute in real time, you wouldn't think it had so much baggage behind. It's such an easy minute. There's Patch underneath the reindeer sleigh, and then there's Dooley being like, welcome! And confused clauses. And boom. And now we are, oh goodness, I don't even... Oh, phew. Like, I feel like I had a workout. (laughs) Glad that's over. (laughs) Let's get into the good stuff. All right, so we should have some happy, jolly times coming up here. If you have any feedback on this or any other episode, we would love to hear from you. I keep checking the email, like, every single day. I want to see some email. <laughs> some feedback. <laughs> so you can email us on Gmail Santa Minute at gmail.com. <laughs> I totally fell off track, didn't I? Maybe that's why we're not getting any email, because I keep giving out the wrong email address. We are SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. SantaMinute on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google's Podcast Player. We are everywhere. We love hearing from you guys. Thanks for listening, and come back every Wednesday for another episode. And remember, you can always listen to us. For free!